transportation, because there are going to be some transportation savings in this, particularly in the urban areas. We work on connected networks of trails and developing trail segments that can be used uh, for active transportation to get from your house to a, uh, to a school or from your home to, to the local grocery store and, and back. And, and so fewer car rides does lead to some transportation savings and then health, just the, the physical health benefits and the mental health benefits of more access to parks and open space and trails is very significant. Hey everyone, welcome to the Active Towns channel. I'm John Zimmerman, and that was Gary Merritt with the Great Springs Project uh, that's happening right here in Central Texas, uh, basically between Austin and San Antonio. And uh, Gary really kind of gives a great overview of this exciting project. It's gonna be nearly 100 miles in total, uh, connecting four of the most important uh, springs that exist naturally here in the Central Texas area and uh, it's it's a lot of fun it's a beautiful concept and it's wonderful to see two things happening land being conserved and trail going down on the ground without further ado let's get right to it with Gary Merritt uh, Gary it's such a wonderful uh, opportunity to have you on the podcast welcome well thank you John thanks for having me so, Gary, I, I love to have my guests just uh, introduce themselves, so I'll turn uh, the floor over to you. Uh, who is Gary Merritt? So, thanks, John. I'm Gary Merritt. I'm the CEO of Great Springs Project. Fantastic. And uh, wh where'd you grow up? I'm from a small town in the western hill country called Lakey. Okay. It's between Kerrville and Uvalde, right on the okay. edge of the Edwards Plateau. The Frio River is on one side of my county and the Nueces River is on the western side of my county. Some people may have been to Garner okay. State Park, it's 10 miles upstream from there, or okay. Lost Maple State Park, we're about 15 miles west of there. Wow, okay, cool. So it sounds like uh, the hill country is in your blood. It really is, yeah. My family's yeah. been yeah. in the hill country for generations. I grew up in a, that town of 500 people and, um, and just spent all my outdoor time, all my growing up time outside and traipsing around and um, have continued to, right. the, the land to be a really important part of my life. Yeah, yeah. And uh, formal training, uh, what sort of background and education do you have? Yeah, for, after um, Lakey High School, I went to Rice University to do my undergrad, law school at University of Texas. Then I practiced law, corporate and real estate law for seven years in Houston and then moved back to my little hometown of Lakey to um, open a law practice there where I did a lot of real estate work, a lot of corporate work. And I also got involved in local government there being our elected county attorney for 10 years and our elected county judge for seven years. And that's Real County. Oh, wow. Okay, fa fantastic. So you, you served as the Real County uh, judge, which uh, they, for, for those listening in and, and tuning in and watching this, um, uh, Texas is a little different uh, in terms of that elected official, you know, uh, with the judge name. Explain that. Yeah, the, the, a county an elected county judge position in Texas is, um, if you like civics, it's really an interesting position because um, it, it is judicial. Um, I was a black robe judge and I presided over misdemeanor criminal trials and probate cases and juvenile cases, things like that. Um, there is an executive uh, function in that um, you uh, are sort of like the CEO of the county and um, the point for a lot of those fun 
uh, functions. And then there's some legislative work as well um, in that you're presided over the commissioner's court, which has a little bit of rulemaking authority in Texas. You can adopt a, a few things. And so it has all three branches of government in, in one office. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty pretty fascinating. I was I, when I moved here, uh, you know, from Hawaii. I was like, wait a minute, they do what? <laughs> it's a little bit of everything. <laughs> there, there is one just more thing about a county judge. In each of the counties, the county judges have all of the constitutional authority and to do things, but not all judges exercise that. So right. one of the things you have to ask someone if if you you know that they've been there or are a county judge, you have to ask them what authorities that they exercise. Because right. not all county judges are black robe judges. Um, some of them ah, okay. have other people do that. Um, but for me, I like doing things. And so I, I did everything. Right. So when did you start, you know, getting really interested in the the concept of land conservation and, and, and how does that kind of tie maybe into your, like your personal life and how you like to, you know, get out in the, in the wilderness? Yeah. You, you know, I said before that uh, uh, being on the land was important to me, and, and it, yeah. it really was. We're, um, I grew up in a, a small, small community um, with a lot of around me. Um, and, and so for us, that's what we did um, for fun. We, went, we were outside, and we were looking for swimming holes along the Frio River or the creeks. Um, you know, as kids, we would be on bikes or horses or on foot or whatever, just outside all the time. And so that... And, and all, all my family has worked on ranches, um, cutting cedar, driving trucks, working. And so being being on, on the land is always something really important to me. Then working in real estate, you know, you sort of look at and learn how to look at land with a, a certain viewpoint. But then when I became county attorney and then county judge, one of the things we, we, I worked on was to do some long-term planning for the county. Mm-hmm. And in my county, Real County, our our economy was driven by tourism. And so I was looking around and talking with folks and was thinking that natural resources there are our economic engine. That's our Toyota plant for San Antonio or the Samsung that's going to be here um, just north of, of Austin. And so we started to build conservation resource protection into our, our long-term planning. I mean, right. we, we needed to have the river be clean so people would come back year after year and have water in the river and have the air be clean and for people to see the cypress trees because that's how people make their living. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to pull up the website here. And again, the organization is the Great Springs Project and the website here is greatsprings.org.org. And uh, it really, it, it says right here, you know, it's the heart of, of Texas. Talk a little bit about what this project, you know, is and is about, and uh, and we've got a, a a little video that we'll 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 pause and play because I think it does a great job of of really uh, you know, bringing it to life. But uh, before we press play on that, I'll, I'll give you the floor and let you just kind of have uh, you know give us an intro to it. So, Grace Springs Project is for me. It's this. It's the project of my lifetime. It really pulls together everything that I'm. I'm good at or and passionate about um, from a, a, a Texas perspective. It really is a big Texas-sized project. It has conservation at its core of protecting land over the recharge zone of the Edwards Aquifer between San Antonio and Austin and protecting these the four iconic springs that are in the, the Great Springs alignment. Uh, the San Antonio Springs, which is the Blue Hole at Incarnate Work Campus in San Antonio, 
to Comal Springs, downtown New Braunfels, to San Marcos Springs, and then on to Barton Springs and, and downtown Austin. And so this protecting and connecting these four springs and doing it from a market-based transactional perspective, it's just everything that I love to do. That's cool. That's cool. Well, we'll get back to what you mean by market-based transactional and and sort of the nuts and bolts of that. But uh, let's give both of our voices a little bit of a break and give the audience a little taste of what it is this vision is all about. It's no wonder why folks moved to the Texas Hill Country. It's one of the greatest places to live. Water magically springs from the earth and entire rivers are born. The land bursts with color and is teeming with life. Water defines who we are here and our identity and history is tied to the Edwards Aquifer and four great springs. These springs and the rivers that flow from them are the soul of our cities. They connect us to nature, giving residents and visitors access to some of the best water recreation opportunities in the world. Barton Springs is the heart of Austin. San Marcos Springs gives birth to a river. Comal Springs is the largest spring in the Southwest. And the San Antonio Spring is the original source of the San Antonio River. These springs and thousands of others are connected underground by vast aquifers. The Great Springs Trail is the connection we need. A trail that runs through the land that defines who we are. Some of the trail is already established and it's time we connect the dots. Trails make us healthier and they make our towns, our cities and our neighborhoods even better places to live. People live longer with access to nature and trails show you to the wonders of the world. Great Springs Trail is more than just a hike and bike trail. It will conserve a breathtaking part of Texas and the most quickly developing region in the United States. Some of the region has already been protected. But there is still a lot of work to be done. Yes, time is of the essence. This region of Texas is growing faster than any other. And if we don't conserve it right now, we're gonna lose the very reason that we live here. Right now, we have the chance to make this dream a reality. Future generations won't. And it's not just people that will benefit. The Hill Country contains species found nowhere else and as a migratory stopover on a continental scale.
water that falls here is captured by grass and soil, seeping into the land and into vast underground aquifers. These caves and passageways below us are so extensive that species have adapted to live here that are found nowhere else in the world. And when these aquifers are healthy, they bubble to the surface as springs. The magic of water is why we live here. Protecting these aquifers and springs is protecting who we are. Unfortunately, the recharge zone of these aquifers is exactly where we're developing. Our springs and our rivers are at risk. Already in the last 50 years, half of the major springs in Texas have stopped flowing during drought years. The time to act is now, before it's too late. The Great Springs Project is not just a great trail through this recharge zone. It will conserve the land that is crucial for our springs and rivers to survive. Our plan is bold. It must be. Join us. Fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> If that doesn't uh, inspire us all, I don't know what will. That, that's fantastic. Well, well, thank you. I know this will be the world's shortest podcast, so uh, thanks for having me. No. <laughs> that really does say it all. It really does. Um, so a, a couple things, you know, sort of resonated with me in, in watching these images. And, and one is is that um, I'm privileged enough to, to live in a neighborhood where I have access to the green belt, uh, the Barton uh, Creek green belt, and with a, in a, within a very, very short, comfortable, safe ride, I can get on my bike and I can ride through the neighborhood on quiet residential streets. I can then jump on to a portion of the Butler hike and bike trail, and then I can make my way over to uh, you know Barton Springs Pool, and then uh, I actually lock my bike up there at Barton Springs Pool, and then I walk over to the trailhead and then go deep into the Greenbelt. And just like that uh, image uh, of the person trail running, that's that's kind of my opportunity for recreation. That's what I do to try to stay sane and, and my connection to the land, the earth, you know, the area, nature in this neighborhood is, is I run, I, I go back in there and, and I run. There's a certain connection there for me, you know, with that. And I, I see how valuable that is. But it was also mentioned in the, in the video here is that there's this tension, there's this pressure of this is a desirable place. There is housing shortages and there's this pressure to try to uh, continue to, to build more housing and continue spreading further and further out. And yet, you know, we have to find that balance, right? Because if it like, as was pointed out in the video here, this is over some of those crucial aquifers and recharge zones. Talk a little bit about that tension and how you all are, you know, relatively newcomers to the scene, helping to, to try to manage that. Texas is a growing state. Our population is growing. Our economy is growing. And, and so we do need um, more housing. We do need more places for people to, to work. Uh, and, and, and 
to live, but we also need more places for people to be outside. And, right. and I believe Great Springs Project, we believe that, that, that we can find that balance and those, those two things that seemingly are attention can work together. For us, the, the reason that we work in such a tight geographic area over the recharge zone of the Edwards Aquifer, slightly into the contributing zone between Austin and San Antonio, is where those springs are and it's, and it's within our mission to protect them. But it's also to bring attention to the place and what the recharge zone of an aquifer means and why it's important to be thoughtful and intentional about the way that we orient toward the land. And so with the same intentionality of, of developing single family houses or commercial space, we should have the same intentionality for the way that we treat for us, particularly the recharge areas of the aquifer and those and those four springs. So it's just bringing to people's mind that this is another thing that's really important that we need to be taking into consideration and actually working toward being successful at. We can be successful at adding more parks and open space and spring protection in this area as we're adding more houses and commercial. Yeah, yeah. And I pulled up this uh, slide that shows those uh, an overview of those four critical springs and their locations. And this is a 100-mile spring-to-spring-to-spring trail network that's in, in place. And, and to the point, I mean, it's it's right here in the description. It's a national park size corridor. This is massive. Who dreamt up this idea? What's the history of the, the, the vision of it? Yeah, yeah the vision um, comes from our board chairperson, Deborah Morin. Um, she is from San Antonio, lived in Austin to go to the University of Texas, and then had made Austin her home. And for many years, she has thought about and visualized how to protect the springs, and particularly the recharge features that support those springs. For her, it was the idea of being active in transactions to do it. And so, and they, and she, she with some friends uh, started to work around San Marcos Springs, especially a little under a decade ago, and they they worked to move some land into conservation there um, to protect San Marcos Springs, and with with great success, along with other folks around San, in San Marcos, that city has been really a, a bellwether for some intentional land conservation. And now there's a, a almost a ring around San Marcos um, that of 18 miles of protected lands, and it's remarkable and it's fantastic and it's a great asset for that community. And so for that, from that, uh, Deborah Moran and, um, and some others formed the Great Springs Project and then hired me and we built a team and, and moved from play, from an envision in the organization, just the vision of, of a, a connected trail plus land conservation into planning it and then actual execution and transactions. And just to give a little perspective, when we talk about the recharge zone of the Edwards Aquifer between San Antonio and Austin, that's a, an area that's maybe 90 miles north-south or all of southwest to northeast in, in the graphic there. And then maybe it's 30 miles wide, roughly. So around 500,000 acres in that area. Of that, when we started the, the work, just over 50,000 acres was already in conservation in some way. Great conservation organizations working there along with, along with and, and you absolutely have to um, hold this up. The work of private landowners in doing conservation is, is amazing in this state. It is incredible. And there's been great conservation work done in this area. So when we say we want to add another 50,000 acres, um, we're talking about less than 10% of the available land in this corridor. 
Right. And, and so there's intentionality, but there's also perspective. Right. It's interesting too, is that in the video, it was also sort of alluded to climate and, and droughts and in thinking to, you know, on those days when I feel good and I make it really far into the green belt, I can, I know that I'm able to find one flowing spring that is still, you know, is guaranteed to still be, you know, coming out of the rocks. And, and, uh, and given the fact that we had been uh, until just recently, I mean, we, we got some rain recently when I was uh, traveling out of the country, but yeah, we'd been in a, in a pretty dry period and pretty much there is no water in the creek. And that's the, like the only spot I know that there's going to be some water, you know, kind of trickling out of there. And from that life happens, there's like, there's fish in there, there's birds that are attracted to that area. Talk a little bit about that part of this in terms of that connection of the health of the aquifer, the health of the land, the health of the springs uh, and, and climate. So this, this part of Texas is amazing and the Edwards Aquifer particularly is incredible um, for it being an area that has very unique species, um, in some cases indigenous only to the Edwards Aquifer and the areas around it. You think of um, aquatic species that only live in the Edwards Aquifer or not aquatic species like golden cheek warbler, for example, that, um, that lives in this area. And, and so the work of doing conservation through public agencies like cities or counties, think about um, habitat conservation plans that they would do or watershed protection plans that cities or counties or river authorities would do. You think about the work of private landowners to move land into conservation, particularly on the surface here around Golden Cheek Warbler Habitat, and then the work of the Edwards Aqua Authority and, and the other river authorities um, like GBRA and El uh, Guadalupe Blanco River Authority and uh, San Antonio River Authority and the Lower Colorado River Authority around species protection. There, uh, There's a lot at play around the relationship and the protection of habitat that relates to water conservation and, and water resource protection that kind of underlies our mission at Great Springs Project. I also notice on, on this slide here, uh, you know, basically a, a nod to, you know, the historical context of, of this area. Why don't you speak to this just a little bit? We understand that we are among the current stewards of the idea of the connection of these four springs and the relationship to humans. What you're looking at there in this slide kind of in the middle, that's the a portion of the white shaman rock art panel. Uh, this is along the, the Pecos River near the confluence with the Rio Grande. And it shows what some people believe and we believe to be these four springs connected. Uh, that panel um, ranges in age from 4,000 to 2,500 years old. And it's actually part of a, of, of a massive uh, rock art panel the communities that you're looking at there in the map on the right side, they were built in those uh, in particular locations because of the access to water from the springs, from San Antonio when George Brackenridge, you know, started his his built his house there on the in, on the headwaters of the San Antonio River, to the, the city of New Braunfels built around Comal Springs and and on and on. So, what we believe now 
the work that we do is reflective of the work that's been done for millennia. And it represents what people really fundamentally understand, which is we, we do not exist as a people without being connected to and protective of our water resources. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that, that I think about when, when I think about these, these challenges that, and, and the tensions that exist here in this arena, in this area is trying to encourage a vision of, of like a different land use pattern and, and plan. And we've been struggling here in the city of Austin to, to rewrite our land use code and, and to be able to uh, really encourage there to be, uh, you know, more people within walking and biking distance, uh, you know, to meaningful destinations and being able to hopefully take a little bit of that pressure off of that continuous sprawl of, of, you know, housing, trying to, you know, gobble up more and more of this precious land that we're, that we're trying to conserve here. Talk, talk a little bit about that and, and where, you know, I, I know it's probably not core to your, your mission, but it's certainly adjacent to it. Absolutely. And in Texas and, and particularly in these rapidly developing areas of Texas, the Hill Country and Central Texas, the, the fact that there is so little publicly accessible um, open space just resonates through so many of the decisions that get made. So for us, adding more parks and open space and, and trails is responsive to what people are asking for when city parks and recs departments do surveys or cities do surveys and they ask people what what do they want in their town invariably more parks and more trails is at the very very tops of those lists so, so people are wanting these places to be outside uh, we saw that uh, through the uh, pandemic as we did safe streets to give people more places to be outside we see that in our great Texas state park systems where um, there's just so much uh, engagement and so much use. We see lines like an enchanted rock going down the highway to get in there and reservation systems, which are necessary now because people um, are just, it's just challenging to find these great places to be outside. And so adding more parks and open space is uh, important for quality of life, for the reasons that we want to live in the hill country. We want to live in central Texas. It's to enjoy, just like you get to enjoy the green belt in Austin because it's close to your house. We need to have these places close at hand for people. We have in our corridor, I drive up and down and I talk with and work with people in every community. And we have people from one community where there are not enough parks and trails and they have to get in their car and they drive on I-35 15, 20, or 30 minutes to get to the next town so that they can go to a park or be on a trail. And when they finish that, then they get back in their car and they have to drive back to their home. We think that by working together, by listening at a local level, finding those opportunities for more parks and trails in their own community, we're making those communities better and stronger. Yeah, that's that's one of my biggest pet peeves is uh, that pressure to you know be out having to feel like you have to get into a car to be able to go to a park and and then that puts pressure on the park area and the trailheads to have uh, massive amounts of parking 
uh, it's just this, you know, it's a very, very unsustainable um, cycle. And I've had uh, the opportunity to have um, a representative from the Trust for Public Land, you know, on the podcast before. And we talked a little bit about the 10 minute walk campaign of being able to ensure that there is a, a park or a trail uh, or, or, you know, a linear park or something like that within a 10 minute walk of everybody, you know, within a, a community. And I think that's an incredible uh, and important factor. Um, but I wanted to pull up this slide because I think that it's something that a lot of people don't appreciate is that trails in all shapes and forms, pathways and trails, whether they're paved or unpaved, are in fact um, drivers of uh, economic benefit. Talk a little bit about this uh, from, from your perspective. Yeah, this is really important to our conversation with all of the communities and constituencies in our project area. For, for me, I have a background in local government, and I understand if you're asking for public financial support or, or public investment in a project, it's important to talk about the rate of return of, of using those public funds. No different from if you if you were asking for an investment on the private side, you have to you have to explain and, and have a, a rate of return for that for to, to receive certain investment. So the 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 economic impact, the business growth, we've got economic impact uh, studies that um, reflect the value economic impact of this trail. We can point to the economic impact of other regional trails like uh, the Razorback Greenway in Northwest Arkansas is a great example of um, a one-time $30 million investment with some additional investments along the way that's had outsized economic impact for those communities. This, the same, we could have the same conversation about other trails, regional trails around the country and the economic impact that, we, that they have. But then thinking about it on a very, very local level, not just bringing more people in to visit your, your community and then leaving, the, the impact that they have with, with your, your local businesses to attract new businesses, to um, attract and retain employees, to provide those that great community feel that makes people want to stay in a community and engage and work in that community and spend their money in that community. And then just the value uh, to us as a state and to our economy of protecting the water in the aquifer, having these open spaces and all the economic benefits that flow from that, from flood mitigation to water quality protection to habitat protection for species. Trails, parks, and open space are the lowest cost, highest rate of return infrastructure that you can build from a local government perspective. Yeah, yeah. And again, that goes back to, you know, working, doing what we can on our, our land use pattern too, to, to be able to have, you know, more people being able to be able to access that and, and try to conserve and, and preserve that land so that we don't have that, that same pressure that continually goes there. So, this is interesting. So you've got some numbers that you put together for a, a total annual benefit. Walk us through what's going on here. Sure. So I, I, I know that a trail guy talking about um, rates of return sounds wonky, but the, the reality is, is that there are all kinds of priorities, priorities that are out there for, and, and without uh, money toward projects, all you have is a, is a vision. So someone, someone smarter than I am has, has said that conservation without money is just conversation, right? right. No money, no mission. And so this is an important part of it is, is how, how does your project, how does a trail project, how does a park and open space project 
rise in priority with all the other priorities that cities have from a trans, you know, transportation and, um, and public safety and physical health, like all the things that cities need to spend money on or counties need to spend money on or private investment needs to spend money on. Why is your project important? And so part of the way we make that case is by talking about these things that aren't at the front of the mind. So this slide represents um, that we, at the beginning, on the idea of a 100-mile trail in this corridor, what would be the economic impact of that trail? So just under $56 million per year, just in those four categories that are listed there. Um, so the economic uh, line is uh, increased hotel occupancy taxes and sales taxes, people coming to visit. The land and water is somewhat of the value of, of some water quality protection, but it does not, um, it, that does not include the value of water in place in the aquifer. Transportation, because there are gonna be some transportation savings in this, particularly in the urban areas. We work on connected networks of trails and developing trail segments that can be used uh, for active transportation to get from your house to a, uh, to a school or from your home to, to the local grocery store and, and back. And, and so fewer car rides, those lead to some transportation savings. And then health, just the, the physical health benefits and the mental health benefits of more access to parks and open space and trails is very significant. Again, this was on the idea of a 100 mile trail. We're gonna be working on this um, and looking at it more closely now that we have the actual alignments, proposed alignments for the trail segments. And, um, and I, I expect that we'll have also some better data sets and that this number will change dramatically when we look at it more closely. Yeah, man. Well, you're talking my uh, my language here with yeah. the uh, active transportation <laughs> and health. Uh, that's that's fantastic. What's our biggest challenge in in seeing this thing through? What before I said yes to Great Springs Project, I thought the biggest challenge would be to actually find the alignments where you could build the trail for 100 plus miles in the middle of two of the most rapidly developing counties in the United States and two anchor cities that are growing at a massive rate, San Antonio and Austin. But once we figured out we could, we could find the alignments, then the next challenge was, can you, can you build a coalition uh, that's gonna take to get this done? And, and you have to, we, we thought about that and we, we realized that this, this has to be about everyone. It really has to be a place for everyone in this. And, and it becomes just a big Texas-sized project, a lot of ways to say yes to it. So that wasn't the biggest challenge. The biggest challenge we face right now is that there is just not many places in Texas where people can experience the relationship of private property and public access in ways that benefit the private property. So we believe very, very strongly in private property rights. And one of the things that we believe in is by connecting private property to public access, it can make your private property better, stronger, more marketable, more valuable, more usable. That's, but because people don't have that experience in Texas because we have so little publicly accessible space, it's just a lot of one-on-one -on -one conversations with private landowners, listening to their questions and, and understanding their concerns, and then helping them to see uh, the opportunity that would come to them with this kind of a transaction. Um, 
I'm encouraged by it. I'll say that I'm very encouraged by it. As a Texan, I'm really encouraged by it. But it takes time and, and it takes a lot of, of individual conversations. Right. And I imagine funding is is a, another part of it. So we'll pull up the funding uh, slide because I know that most of the audience is going, yeah, but where are you going to get the money? Right. <laughs> yeah, so the money. Um, the, so what you're looking at on the slide here are the sources of funds for the, the public side of the investment. And we really look at three buckets. We look at public funds like these that can come about in a variety of ways. And so for every one of our projects, we'll be working with a project partner, again, whether it's a city or a county or even a private landowner to see if there's some public funds that can help be contributed toward the project. Another bucket of money though is, um, is private investment. So if there's an opportunity to either do um, a small amount of development on a piece of property, working with that landowner, supporting the work that that landowner is doing, or um, transitioning the ownership of that property to a private investor that will undertake those kind of activities that do primarily conservation and generally trail and, and then a potential for some development, which can mean a lot of different things. It can mean open space development, turning a, a large ranch into smaller but open space ranches, or it could be a small commercial development, even a small residential development with significant conservation. And then the third bucket of money is is just the public support piece, uh, philanthropy in all of its forms, because this is a big project that's transformative for Texas. We do not have anything like this in Texas um, where we don't have right away. This, this is not a, a, a rails to trails project. We're out there building a giant coalition and, and then working together to, to connect the trail. Yeah, yeah. It, you do have a, a, a really cool slide in here that says that it only takes 25 uh, feet to make a park. So I got to pull this up because I, <laughs> I, I just had a chuckle about it, you know. Yeah, it, it, in other words, it, it, it doesn't have to be that grand necessarily. And, and we, and, and, and you had mentioned it earlier is that there are some urban sections of this trail project that are actually paved trails. Sure. Yes, there's some that are in the wilderness, uh, like the one that I run on, but there's plenty of it that is also this, and you mentioned it earlier, is that leveraging the opportunity of an all ages and abilities, active mobility, uh, and, and that's one of the key drivers that really helps uh, maximize the return on investment when you look at a, a pathway or a trail. Yeah, we, we work uh, to be as creative as possible on just how to include more parks, open space, and trail inventory into our geographic footprint. I, we have people that are on the ground looking at places like this one you see on the screen. They may be looking at um, culverts to go, that go under highways and uh, there are possible connections that can happen there. Uh, we have a couple of rail lines that cross over um, sections. We look at creekways. We look at all the potential um, ways that uh, trail can be connected, but also you can develop more parks and open space, whether it's um, like a homeowners association that ended up with some uh, property and floodways, for example. That property may have water quality um, protection characteristics. And so finding ways to manage that property for those conservation benefits is important. And it's something that you really only find out about 
you can see it on a map, but you've got to see it in person. And I'll say that's one of the things that we work really hard on is being on site and, and knowing the pieces, the particular pieces of property along the way. We spend a lot of time on the land and trying to understand it and, um, and think about how we and all of our project partners can help to contribute to the protection of that land or the connectivity of those trail segments. Yeah. And I want to pull up a, a series of slides here that really kind of uh, exemplifies the fact that it, it's, it really isn't just Gary. <laughs> I mean, the, this is a, a lot of people are, are involved uh, in this. And, and here's the trail plan steering committee. Um, I see several names on there that I recognize. And it does stretch across, uh, you know, that entire network of folks. You also have an equity uh, task force. Talk a little bit about uh, uh, what's going on with this group. Yes. So the, one of the very first things that we did is we were working toward finding the, 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 a good alignments for the trail itself was to spend some, a lot of time thinking about and the amazing assistance of this group to help us to understand the, the consequences of this sort of infrastructure development. And so this group developed some recommendations for us around planning and design and placemaking and economic opportunity and as an overarching uh, recommendation recognizing that the springs themselves are, are sacred they have sacred qualities and characteristics and and our perspective of them for me as someone that's um, been a texan in my life is even very different from someone whose family has been here for thousands of years and, right. and so those recommendations then we pulled into the slide that you saw before the actual developing the trail plan itself. And, and it's helped us to make sure that we're asking the right questions. Most importantly, make sure that we're listening uh, as, as the community is talking and, and different people are expressing their perspectives on what the trail means to them, what the springs mean to them, and then working to incorporate that into everything that we do. If you can go back, um, to, John, to the slide that has the rock art on it. Oh, yeah. Let's see if I can find that. This one, right? Yeah. yeah I just want to say one thing about this. That yeah, yeah. People have been using these springs for to support their existence since there have been people here. And, and, and so that connection of the people in these springs is, is just deeply, deeply intertwined. And, and we feel that today in the communities that we've built up around them. But it goes even deeper than that. These, these springs do have sacred qualities. There are, is a group of people, the Coltecans, whose origin as people came from San Marcos Springs. They arose on the earth through San Marcos Springs itself. And, and so we we respect that and we honor that and we're doing our very best to make sure that those stories and are told and that people have an understanding of that level of importance of, of these springs yeah yeah very very well said all right gary you're back <laughs> we just had a little uh, adjustment in background there <laughs> uh, but i wanted to pull up this slide too because it, it continues that conversation of uh, it 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 really does take a village and, and quite a few villages when you're doing something across uh, nearly a hundred miles. Uh, talk a little bit about the land and trail partners. There is an amazing work that's being done and has been done 
up and down our corridor for a long time by the people that are on this slide, organizations on this slide, and several others. So for us at Great Springs Project, we have this original vision of connecting both from the trail side and also from the conserved land side. But our work is only as, as good and strong as our project partners. And, and so we have the regional vision, but the work done locally is, is being done through, through these, these organizations and these people that we, we help to support that work, we help to catalyze that work, and we help to point that work to the right and to the left. So one of the one of the things that we did fairly early, uh, we convened a, a, a group, we called them Trail Connects, but we had in each of the four counties in which we work, we had uh, someone from the, a nonprofit that was doing trail or land conservation, but especially trail. And then we had someone from the public agency side, either a city or a county in that county, um, and talking about their projects and, and, and asking, we were asking them, would your project be better, better supported more interesting um, if, if you were pointed towards something else, if San Antonio trails were pointed toward New Braunfels and if New Braunfels trails were pointed to San Antonio and to San Marcos and on and on. Um, and we got feedback from that and an understanding of the group that if we can collaborate and we can work together, we can take these 15 trail segments that we've talked about and have them be a place to place segment that benefits both ends of that and, and then on and on. So that really led into the trail plan that we've helped to develop and now the trail implementation that we're working on. So when you're working with in these uh, different counties and different cities, how does that, how does that relationship sort of work um, and, and sort of play out pragmatically and, and logistically, um, and I'm sure it, it varies from, from municipality to municipality, uh, but what does that sort of look like in terms of that, that interaction? Yeah, I, I say there are three things that we, we really focus on there. The first is, is really to li- listening to understand, and, and that can be an overused expression, but we, we work really hard to understand what are the priorities in each community and understanding that each community is wildly different from the community that's right next door to it. And, and the, the priorities are different, the process is different, the, the opportunities are different. But in each place, there's nothing more important to that place than what they have right there on the ground. So really trying to understand that. And then building that level of trust that says, here are your priorities, here are our priorities, what's the overlap, and let's figure out ways to work together and in where those priorities overlap for the benefit of everyone. And then the third thing that we work really hard at is to be the gap filler. So we are um, a 501c3, we we do some convening, we've worked on building the trail plan, but we're also transactional based. And so whatever needs to happen to make a particular deal work, it's likely that we can find a role to help to facilitate that. It might be to find a funding source, it might be to put project partners together, it might be that they need technical expertise for, um, for GIS work or mapping or design or legal or land conservation professionals or something else. But we under, try to understand what the need is and then find the resources to fill it with an end goal of getting the project done. That is for us, there's no ego, nothing 
we want to get the deals done. We want to get the right of way secured. We want to get the trail built. We want to get land in conservation. That's the most and only thing that's important to us. Yeah. So I'm going to pull up uh, your most recent uh, uh, newsletter from uh, September of uh, 2022 here. So the fall September or the fall uh, newsletter and uh, right off the bat, (laughs) you know, really, you know, honing in on that. This is your mission to, you know, to be able to make this happen. And so uh, you're, you're talking about what you're trying to do now is to put land into conservation and get trail on the ground. And talking about this particular um, recent acquisition. And so this really emphasizes the fact that in many cases, in many opportunities, you're pulling together the funds, you're leveraging funds, you're doing whatever you can to actually get land into conservation. For people who don't really understand what we're talking about here, can can you kind of like you know, in non like legalese and non real estate jargon, can you kind of just walk us through what you're buying up land and doing what with it? <laughs> okay. I'll do that, John. Do you have a buzzer? So if I, if I fall into uh, if I say anything in Latin, just, to, yeah. just bother me, okay. So the, the paragraph of that, um, putting land and conservation trail on the ground. Um, I, I say that, that that's our, that's, the strategic plan for Great Springs Project has two lines, two sentences, and those are the only two, put land in conservation, put trail on the ground. And that's what Great. we exist for. Yeah. But but the how to do it part, this Presa Grande prop, uh, project is is really a great example of that. So we it's, we call it Presa Grande, the, this property Presa Grande, because there's a very large flood control dam on it. And there's a series of dams that were built by the Army Corps of Engineers in, uh, a number of years ago along in the Sink Creek area, just west of San Marcos, um, and okay. several branches of Sink Creek that um, really um, catch a lot of water and then push water straight toward the city of San Marcos, Spring Lake, the springs themselves, um, and then ultimately into the, the San Marcos River. So this property had been 844 acres. It had been for sale um, at various times over the years. It had been under contract to be purchased a couple of different times because of its proximity to the city of San Marcos and that it is, um, has um, some open space, some flat space, very developable land, and two branches of Sink Creek on it, it's really been looked at by real estate developers for a subdivision. And it has a lot of, there's a lot of development around it. A lot of single family house houses have been built right around this property. After I came on board and we looked at it again, it, it was under contract to be purchased by a developer and that deal fell through. And so we were in the wings, and as soon as it did, um, we made an offer. We Great Springs Project made an offer to buy the property, and and that offer was accepted. And so then we started to work on how to build the, the financing around that project to move it into conservation. Okay. So we found um, some people that wanted to invest in the property, and they wanted to own the property themselves um, for recreational purposes, which was great. And they wanted to keep it mainly whole. And, and use it um, for a, a hunting operation and a, a weekend ranch for themselves and their families, which is perfect for a property like this. Okay. So we worked with them on um, on an agreement on their behalf to the vast majority of that property, put a conservation easement over the vast majority of that property, to donate a trail easement on two sides of that property to Hayes County um, in exchange for Hayes County providing funding for the conservation easement. 
We worked with Edward Thought for Authority to provide some funding to, to be able to do some, some research on the property in exchange for money that was used for fencing. And then there's one a small portion of that property along um, a roadway that really doesn't have many conservation features on it that really was better suited for uh, single family houses. And so worked with the investors to develop 10, 10 acre lots to be home sites to help to subsidize the cost of buying the property and, and moving it into conservation. There's a phase two of that that will involve the city of San Marcos, we hope, and to acquire another piece of it for conservation. But that really is reflective of, for us, um, bringing a, quite a few different groups together with the common goal of conservation and, and a recreation opportunity for trails, and then making the financing part of it work for everyone. So now the landowner's happy, Hayes County has trail easements, we're gonna help with that um, on getting the trail built. A really important part of a uh, chunk of Sink Creek is protect um, instead of 600 homes, it will have 10 homes on it. Um, and that those 10 homes are nowhere close to um, any kind of conservation uh, resources. Fantastic. And I see here that uh, one of your trail planners, uh, Kenny, is, is working on uh, getting out there and hiking in through here and flagging it out and, and trying to figure out where uh, the trail should go. Will this be a natural surface trail or a paved trail? This one, um, it, um, it's going to be primarily natural surface trail. Um, okay. It really is well suited for that. There are a couple of um, topographical features that are going to need some something that's a little more hardy, a little more burly to get up and down um, some small yeah. features, um, but it'll be natural soft top trail the rest of it. Okay, very good. And I, I see here that there's an opportunity to actually for the community to, to donate um, to help towards uh, the trailhead. What, what's what's kind of happening here? Yeah, this was another really interesting feature of this property that um, a number of years ago, the one of the roads that it passes right in front of the property had been slightly relocated. Um, and as a result, there are right around three acres right on the corner of this property um, that make a perfect trailhead. And it's sort of an orphan piece of property uh, yeah. that's surrounded by other places. And so again, with Hayes County and with some funders to develop that as the perfect trailhead right on the corner of the property. And from there be, to be able to get on the trail and then move around, move around the property. So that we're generating support from that, from the public. We, we have some foundational support for that as well. And then, um, and we'll continue to help to develop that um, because it's, it's, we're super happy to have the land in conservation. And we're super happy to have the trail easement. And what we really want is to have a trail built that people can use. So we're right. continuing to work on it <laughs> to get a trail on the ground that people can use. And hopefully one that people don't have to drive to, to that, be able to use it as well. That, that is right. And to that end, let me, let me say that as once we, we didn't know this was happening until it was happening, but once that project was moving forward, a, a couple of the neighbors came forward with some opportunities of our own. And so there's a strong potential to connect that trail on that Presa Grande property to other trail, to other trail, and then eventually into the city of San Marcos's public trail system, which would be yeah. remarkable. Yeah. 
So uh, as I alluded to, I, I, I just got back from uh, some international travel. I was in uh, the Netherlands as well as uh, spent a little bit of time in Belgium and a little bit of time in France, in, in Paris. But one of the things that I love so much about uh, traveling in the Netherlands is the ability to um, very easily on my bike, just be able to get on a, a pathway and uh, uh really quite quickly be out into the rural countryside and they have just this fantastic network of trails uh you know connecting village to village city to city and so i had to think of you i was just like you know it's like i mean this is this is kind of what this is um but one of the things that I noted is, and, and I grew up on a ranch in Northern California, so I understand the, the rural context and, and ranch land and, and, and things of that nature. But when I'm on my bike and I'm rolling past, you know, uh, all of these wonderful farms uh, there in the Dutch countryside, and I'm just thinking, this is so cool that, you know, these easements have been, you know, created and uh, and they're facilitating you know active mobility, and it was it's just so cool because especially with the proliferation of electric assist, we're seeing older and older and older people uh, continuing to remain active. They're getting out on their electric assist bikes, and they're in their you know seventies and eighties and nineties, and it's so incredible to see because they're just soaking up that rural environment, that you know nature. So. I thought about you. <laughs> yeah, well, thanks for that, John. I, I, you know, that's one of the things I, I, I really do wish that more people would, would be, would have the opportunity to see what the opportunities are, to be in places like that where there, there has been the right of way secured and the trail built, and people can use it. All people can use it for whatever they want to use it for, and you see those places where those trails are so well used and so well loved, and so much just an integral part of people's daily lives. And we, we should have that in Texas. We can have that in Texas. And we're working really hard to bring that to Texas. I get the sense that it, what you're doing here in this project could be duplicated many times over throughout Texas if, if we can just kind of work through uh, any challenges and any tensions that, that sort of exist of that public and private, you know, use or it's really public use of, of you know, pub, private land and or private adjacent land. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, for us, um, this Austin to San Antonio uh, trail network, we really are looking at it as a spine. And um, we have been talking with um, people that are working on trails and thinking about how to connect their trails to, to this trail from Bernie and Kendall County to Seguin and um, east and west and north and south of this Austin to San Antonio corridor. Um, and then you look at some other regional trails that um, are either happening or have been contemplated around Texas. And, um, and, and there's great potential uh, if we can continue this work and, and, can, uh, and, and, and find some transformational changes to the way we think about trails and public, uh, this kind of active transportation component, and then find the funding for it and continue to prioritize it the way we have been. Um, we may look up in a few years and, uh, and just see a remarkable change in, in this state for the better for everyone. Yeah. 
Yeah. Now I know that uh, some segments of, of the trail are in place. Um, where are we at in terms of, uh, you know, number of miles and percentages and that sort of thing? The, the way that we develop the alignments for the trail itself um, with this steering committee of people that were already involved in building trails in their community and, and in their county was by looking at all of the plants that we could find that had trail in them in some way. So city um, parks and, and, and open space plans and trails plans and transportation plans, long-term transportation plans, thoroughfare plans, everything that, um, and even talking with the real estate developers themselves that are doing master plan communities and looking at their development agreements to see where they had trails and parks. So through those, we sifted through all those with the steering committee and, um, and figured out, okay, this plan is really happening. And, and this one is never going to happen. And part of this one will and not. So through that, we were we really worked to use the things that were already being um, promoted and, and worked on locally. Then we found the, the gaps and the gaps are something that we at Great Springs Project are taking on, finding those ways to connect. So when you look at our trail plan that's on our website at this past April, you'll see the maps that actually show the alignments and it will reference the particular plan that it comes from. So you can see the city of New Braunfels may have a, a dry comb out creek plan. San Marcos has their plan. So to answer your question better, of the 100 plus miles of the trail network, over a third of that is already on the ground, with just the trails that are being, being built. And looking at projects that are on the short-term time horizon um, from transportation plans and these park plans, there's roughly another third of it that is right away is either secured or being secured to do it. And so that leaves about a third of it for us to be out doing our land conservation projects and our trail right-of-way acquisition project to secure that right-of-way to connect all those things. I love it. Our timeline is, we say the Alamo to the Capitol by 2036. Okay. Um, but, but, but we really want to get it done sooner. Right. So cool. So cool. Gary, it's been such an honor and pleasure uh, chatting with you. Is there any final nugget you'd like to leave the audience with? Well, John, I, I want to say again, thank you so much for having it, It's really a great opportunity to talk about our work, but also really enjoy hearing your perspective on the project. What I'll ask you and ask anyone is um, if you think that there's something that we're, um, we can do better, there's a, a, if you have an idea, um, if, if there's something you'd like to do to help, this is a big collaborative project. And so please reach out to us. Um, you can look at our website and there's a contact tab there. You can sign up for our newsletter at greatspringproject.org. We do have social media, follow that. Um, but please engage with us because um, we there's, a, there's room in this project for everyone. And it's gonna take all of us, all of us working together to make this happen the way that it should. Fantastic, yeah. And I'm gonna pull back just a little bit so everyone can see that website again. Again, that is greatspringsproject.org. Gary Merritt, thank you so very much uh, for joining me on the Active Towns podcast. It's been such a pleasure having you. Thank you, John. Thank you all so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Gary Merritt. And if you did, please give it a thumbs up, <laughs> leave a comment down below and share it with a friend. And if you haven't done so already, please be sure to subscribe to the channel. And also, if you are enjoying this content, I'd be honored to have you become an Active Towns ambassador. Uh, it's super, super easy. You can buy me a coffee. Uh, you can become a patron on our Patreon account. Uh, it's all available at activetowns.org. The website, just go there. Um, also 
also there's a tab for the Active Town store, so you can pick up your own Streets of Free People swag there. Uh, again, thank you all so much for tuning in. It means so much to me. And until next time, this is John signing off by wishing you much activity, health, and happiness. Cheers. Hey, also want to send a very special thank you to all my amazing Active Towns ambassadors uh, out there who are directly supporting my efforts through Patreon, uh, Buy Me a Coffee, the YouTube Super Thanks, uh, as well as purchases from the Active Town store and making donations to the nonprofit. Uh, I simply could not do this without you. So, again, thank you so very much.